You're listening to The RN Mentor, a podcast designed to document and bring you the work and experience of some of the most influential nurses in our profession. We will be sitting down and having a discussion with the leaders of today's nursing world as they share their work, how they navigate their nursing path, and their views on the future of the profession. My name is Ali Tayeb. I am a registered nurse, United States Navy veteran, a Jonas Veterans Healthcare Scholar, and your host for The RN Mentor. Uh, hello and welcome to a new episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. I'm super excited today to be joined by Dr. Lucinda Canty. Uh, Dr. Canty is an Associate Professor and Director of Health Equity in Nursing Program uh, at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, Elaine Marriott College of Nursing. Uh, Dr. Canty is a certified nurse midwife and provides women's health care at Planned Parenthood of Southern New England. She is also the founder and director of Lucinda's House in Connecticut. Our research interests include the prevention of maternal mortality and severe maternal morbidity, reducing racial and ethnic health disparities in reproductive health, promoting diversity in nursing, and eliminating racism in nursing. She is an artist, poet, and historian. Uh, She is also a fellow in the American College of Nurse Midwives. Welcome to the show, Dr. Canty. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to have you. Uh, I didn't know about everything you did until I started seeing some art pieces pop up on social media. Uh, And I love that. And that's like, that's my other other passion that I've managed to incorporate into my nursing world. I was so excited when I saw your pieces pop up also related to the work that you do. Uh, I think that's how we initially connected. And I said, hey, you need to meet other people. So that was awesome. So thank you so much for uh, for entertaining uh, the invitation and becoming on the show. Thank you. Um, so I'll start with um, with my regular first question is how did you get started in the world of nursing? So nursing, like I was never one of those people, you know, someone very young saying, I want to be a nurse. I actually want to be a chef because I love to cook. And it wasn't until like 10th grade. I was like, I just love the idea of giving shots and taking care of people. And there were people in my family who had diabetes. And I was like, you know, that's what I want to do. And that's really what started my interest. And I start to learn more about what is it to be a nurse? So I, that's how I kind of started. And I never really had the interest till my 10th grade. And for midwifery, that when I started nursing school, I didn't even know what a midwife was. It wasn't until I was doing my maternity rotation and I was on a high risk pregnancy floor and a woman came in the hall, down the hall screaming and uh, someone, a provider jumped in, delivered the baby and the woman was fine and she was so happy after. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And that's how I learned. That's where I got like that love of midwifery and decided to work a little as a nurse first before I went back. Wow, that's amazing. that's amazing. I mean, 10th grade, that's that, that's earlier than a lot of other people that decide what they're going to do with their lives. But uh, but that's great. I mean, I mean it's the, those personal experiences that a lot of times influence uh, influence what we do. Uh, myself, like included, like my mom was, uh, um, she retired a couple of years ago, but she was a, a radiological technologist and saw her doing all kinds of uh, studying when she was when she was putting herself back through school to do that uh, after we immigrated to the U.S. Uh, and then um, uh, my own exposure was just like through uh, I was in the ROTC program in high school and uh, went to like did first aid and CPR and Matt did we did like like earthquake drill casualty practices and I think that's where it sort of bubbled up for me now like hey I like this medical stuff and um, and ended up going into the military as a Navy corpsman or a medic. Um, so it was, uh, it was really, um, it really is those individual, those little influences in our lives that sometimes divert our interests. So 
Um, now, I have to ask you, what was your experience um, when you went into the into the nursing program? How, how was it for you uh, getting into the program and your experiences during the program? Yeah, so I knew, like, again, I knew I wanted nursing. I started out as um, in a seller, not saying accelerate, sorry, associate degree liberal arts program. And I knew I was going to transfer my junior year. And I didn't really, that's the other thing is like, I love school, but I wasn't like that student that was always studying. So it wasn't until college that I realized I love to learn. It was like, it opened up a new world for me because no one in my family went to college. No mm. one talked about going to college. Even when I told my mom, she's like, okay. She's like, that's nice. She was happy with whatever I did as long as I stayed out of trouble. It was like, <laughs> don't get pregnant, don't go to jail. <laughs> Those are her two requirements. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm trying not to do either one. But I never really had that. And I always felt like in school, I had to learn what they wanted me to learn. But when I went to college, it was like I could learn about anything I wanted. I learned about you know, African-American authors, things I wasn't exposed to. I went to a predominantly you know, white high school that later became more diverse, but we still didn't have the diversity in our curriculum. So I just felt like it just opened up for me and I realized how much I loved doing it. And I still didn't know where I was gonna go for nursing school. It was my, um, actually the dean of our college, it was a small college, Hartford College for Women here in Hartford, Connecticut. And she was like, you know, you just should think about going to Columbia. You know, you're doing well in your sciences. I was tutoring people in math and calculus, something I thought I would never do. Wow. And she was like, that would really be good for you. And so that's why I didn't know anything about Columbia. And I was like, okay, I said, New York City is not too far. And I was, cause I was afraid to go, leave home. And I felt like it just opened, again, opened up a new world for me because I did meet people um, from different areas throughout the country. Also, um, it wasn't the most diverse program, but the group that we studied together, like we did everything together. It was almost like we were the United Nations. Someone was from <laughs> Santo Domingo, somebody was from Puerto Rico. You know, I was there, you know, Black African-American. Um, we just had like a little mix, but it was a group of us that always studied and worked together. And so, and I feel like that support really helped, like we just supported each other. Where someone else was not too strong, you know, we were strong in. Someone else was having challenges with a professor, we all kind of, you know, problem solved together. So that helped me through school. And I think because I had that support, I didn't realize till later, like how the program was not that diverse. <laughs> I didn't realize that because of who I had close to me, you know, um, I think we protected each other from that. Mm. You know, and we all made it through together. That's awesome. Uh, and not to get off topic too much with you, uh, but how important do you think uh, not only diversity in the students, but diversity among faculty and administration yeah. is uh, at these colleges? Because I, I, I hear that quite a bit. And when we look at the vast majority of faculty out there right now, uh, you know, uh, we are we are a traditionally uh, uh, white women uh, uh, profession. So um, how important is it for us to invest in growing uh, the diverse faculty and administration in the world of nursing? Yeah, we have to. It's so important because looking back and again, this wasn't years later that I start to learn about like Harriet Tubman practice nursing, Sojourner Truth. You know, Mary Sicoli, I didn't learn any of that undergrad, even graduate. It wasn't until I was years out that I learned on my own about those things. But I felt like if I had that, like undergrad, I did not have not one Black professor, mm. Black clinical, in the classroom or clinical. And I think it does something to students because it makes you question, is this a space that I belong? Do I have a voice? And I really, you know, I felt that more during my graduate program. Like I can't point out an incident other than clinical. I had a few tough clinical professors, but I think they were tough with everyone. But it wasn't until I realized that the things that were important to me, we didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. Like I had to educate myself on black traditional midwives. You know, it's known as granny midwives. I right. didn't know any of that. So I feel like just their presence alone, it offers something. I, I remember um, I taught, you know, maternity and um, at University of St. Joseph, class is predominantly white. 
I, I can, like there were some semesters and years I had like one black student or I had none. And I, re, I re, went and I taught maternity and I met some of the student junior year, senior year, she said to me, she was like, you know, when I walk into that classroom, I didn't know you were gonna be black. You know, she was black herself. She was like, I didn't know you were gonna be black. <laughs> she said, I actually took a picture of you and texted it to my mom. <laughs> like, Cause I couldn't believe, even she's like, my mother didn't believe me. But it, it, she said that it just did something to her. And, you know, I didn't realize the impact that I had on students until she told me that, because we don't even think about it. Sometimes yeah. we're in those settings, we're trying to survive. We want to make sure all students have, you know, access to resources that all of them are learning, but we don't really think about just our presence. And I always wish I had that because I think I would have been stronger. Yeah. I would have spoke more in class. I would have did projects instead of learning about Florence Nightingale. I would say, you know, I want to do a report on Harriet Tubman yeah. because I feel like later learning those things gave me strength. But when I was a student, what would that have done for me? So I think the diversity is so important because people, I think students need to see themselves. I think even when we're in the clinical setting, like when I was um, working with students on the, in the, on the floor, and I would go into a room and a patient would be like, oh, you know, you're black. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> say it in a positive way, but it like it did something to them. And they're like, wow, you're, you're the one teaching the students? I, I had a patient older. I'll never forget this, this older black patient. And I was I had the students come in. We were talking about medications and I had his permission. And he was like, you're the one teaching? And I was like, yes. He's like, I never saw that before. And he was like, you know, and I love how you're talking to the students, how you're working with them. So I think for everyone, it just shows them that we're here, that we're contributing to nursing, that, you know, we need to be in these spaces, you know, um, but I always had this, this kind of innocence when it came to racism and nursing. Like I actually felt nurses couldn't be racist. Even if my father used to watch Archie Bunker and he used to laugh like crazy. So that's why <laughs> I learned a little bit about him. I know some people are like, who is that? But he was just a, you know, a racist man and he just said his beliefs. But I felt like if a nurse was that way at home, that's her business. But when she came on the floor, she would be different. And I didn't see that. I saw mm. the opposite of that. That's where I, I start to really realize something was wrong and something's different for nurses of color and for patients of color. And I did the same thing when I entered academia. I was like, you know, we're teaching future nurses. You know, we're following an oath, we're ethical. And then when I was in the midst of it, I was like, the system is wrong. The system is causing harm, you know, not, not to everyone. You know, some students flourished and others didn't. Right. And I feel like with nursing, we all, there's no one who, who starts as a freshman nursing student knowing how to be a nurse. It has to be nurtured and it has to grow. But what I saw was not all students got that nurturing. Not all yeah. students got that support. And that was what opened my eyes up to things have to change. And I'm glad that at St. Joe's, I was able to just open up people's eyes to see we can't look at students like they're a pathology. Like when I when I first started there and if students didn't do well, they would say, oh, they can't read, they can't write. And I'm like, how did they graduate from high school? They have to have some kind of literacy. But what I, when I started working with students, especially at the freshman level, they knew how to read and write but they didn't know the resources available to them. They didn't know, because when you learn nursing, you're learning a different language. Right. And, you know, so it's like, you. I remember my first year in nursing school, I had to have a dictionary next to me because I was like, I don't know these words. I had a medical dictionary. I had a Webster dictionary and I had to put them together. It took me hours to get through that one chapter, <laughs> but I did it. But students don't know that coming in. It's like they think they got it then that first exam gets them. So what I learned is that is they know how to read and write, but it's like they have to learn to think differently. And I found out even more importantly, they had to learn that they have the skills that they could develop. You know, you're gonna develop into a nurse. You're not a nurse yet. So you need, I'm gonna make sure you have what you need so that you can grow. And most of the students I work with, it's like they found it in themselves. So it wasn't like I had to do anything special. We didn't have to cheat. It was none of that. It was just saying, you know, okay, so how many, how many hours are you going to spend on working on this class? You know, I had a student who loved going to Target to shop. I'm like, you want to go to Target and then repeat this class next year? <laughs> or do you want to just study? When she, she got that first C plus, she changed, turned around. She was like, I forget about Target. So, but it, it's, I, that's the beautiful part of teaching 
And I never, I actually never thought I would teach. When I used to be on the units and, and the nursing um, instructor would come with her students, because sometimes I didn't like how they talked to students or I didn't like how they act like they knew everything when they did it. So I was like, I'm never gonna do that. And I ended up doing one semester and I loved it. I just love students being afraid to give a shot. I had students who were afraid to talk to patients. They were like, I don't know how to ask these questions. And we would practice. And then the end of the semester, see their confidence and be a part of that. And this is like, cause I remember I was pregnant at the time. I was gonna have my baby and leave. I was gonna do one semester and leave. And now, and that was 2008 and I'm still, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just something that for me that was empowering in that, but seeing them grow and develop and even seeing them now, like I see them on Facebook and they're getting promotions and they're, or they're starting a new job. It was, it just feels good to know, like I was part of that. Yeah. Uh, now I have to, I have to ask you because um, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, you mentioned something that just having a presence, right? Having a diverse faculty and just having a presence. But for me, as you're, as you're uh, talking, I have an education background and it took me a couple of semesters till I realized some of the things that I have been taught by experienced faculty, right? Mm were the wrong things, right? Um, and from based on what you're what you what what you're telling me right now, how did you develop your uh, uh, your teaching method that included uh, that compassion and inclusion and embracing the students for where they are and getting them to where they need to be? Yes, and that was something I had to learn because I was doing clinical, I started as a clinical adjunct. And then I was asked to teach in the classroom. And I remember I was teaching, um, it was maternity PD. And um, the person who was teaching the PD part, she gave me the textbook and she was like, okay, you teach that half and I teach that half. And we only had six weeks. So I said, how am I gonna teach all of that within six weeks? But because I didn't know, I followed that pattern and I, and I wasn't, I was miserable with it. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. So what I ended up doing first was, yeah, I was like, I'm trying to teach them to be a nurse. 50% of this, these um, chapters, they don't need, you know, they'll, they'll keep building on this. So I kind of took out those things that will require them to know how to interview, know how to talk to someone. And what I also learned was some students have never talked to someone of a different race, mm -hmm. of a different culture. So how do I incorporate that? So they realize they have to be kind of careful. They have to be aware of how they talk to people who may not have the same background. So I started incorporating more of that. I'm, I've always been someone who, I'll just say it, I don't always like to follow the rules. <laughs> Especially, I don't like rules that are based like, um, kind of like institutional things. Mm, because yeah. I always I always feel like, and, and that was a big part when I first started teaching. I would say, you know, why are we doing this? Or why did that happen to the student? Oh, it's in the policy. Did you read yeah. the policy? <laughs> did you, you, you were in that meeting when we talked about the policy. And I was like, so then I started questioning what the policies were. They weren't based on anything. They were just doing things because Florence Nightingale did it this way. Right. Like, Nightingale's not here anymore. She's not dealing with the issues we're dealing with. You know, and she had a privilege our students don't have. So I started questioning those. And I started saying, you know what? I'm not teaching the way she's teaching. You know, they get in the class, they read from the PowerPoints. The students are half sleeping. Some of them are like, you're reading directly from the book. They don't know what you're saying. So I said, you know, I'm not doing that. I have my PowerPoints, but I'm like, I'm not reading from them. I'm gonna give you examples. I'm gonna tie it into nursing. I'm gonna be keeping an eye on you. Like, see you dozing off. I'm gonna ask you a question, how you feel about this or that. And I have to say my approach that I've learned how to reach students is talking with them and seeing how they get things and understand things. Cause I'm like, I had, when I started teaching, maybe I had about, I wanna say maybe 10, 15 years of nursing experience. So how I read something is different than someone who's never taken care of a patient. So I could say things and it makes sense to me. And then, and I had, this was something I heard, the student would take the exam, they would question that question. They were like, it doesn't make sense. And they said, well, you just read your book or it's in your book. And I was like, but how do they understand what's in the book? So I started taking time. First of all, I, I said, I'm never saying that to a student, just go read your book. 
uh, if they come to me, I need to be able to explain it to them. I need to be able to break it down. So I, so anyway, I just say that because students kind of help me to see, we do have to be careful because language is very important in nursing. You know, it's important in every field, but in nursing can cause a lot of misconceptions, can fuel stereotypes, can make you think you're, you think you understand what the patient is saying or the student is saying, and you don't really know. So I had to be careful of my language and the terms that I use. Mm. And I did the same on my exams, you know, and I, and I, I was always like, I'm not using words that I don't even know the definition to. I'm not using, I don't, I'm like, I don't talk like that. So I'm not going to have an exam that uses a language that I don't even speak. You know, it has to be on our level so that we understand and we can still critically think. And it's not about like, I was talking with someone and they're like, oh, we have to have standards. I'm like, yeah, you have standards, but your standards should incorporate making sure people understand what you're saying. And if you can't do that, then you need to question yourself. We always try to put on the student and I always try to put it back on them. That's why they don't like to talk to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm bringing it right back to you. But right. I just feel like there's an approach that like people always make nursing seem like it's one way. And that one way excludes people who look like me. So there is a way to still do it where we're meeting the standards. We're providing good care. There are patients like I'll I'll never forget this patient and this showed me an important lesson. I had a patient who was from Vietnam, came here when she was very young, um, but is a nursing program and struggled a little bit with language. And I had her for the first time for maternity, and I realized that the way we say and do things, not everybody does them that way. It wasn't that she didn't understand that she couldn't read. It was that we were using our own, again, words to explain certain things that didn't really relate to her. And so what I did was end up um, kind of making, spending a little more time with her, showing her ways, because again, it had to do with language and being in a home. And she's like, I don't have parents who can help me, you know, because, you know, they're, they, you know, they don't speak English or they do, but this is nursing and they don't understand it that way. So what I ended up doing was I had a patient who, um, the nurses, because you know how you hear the night nurses talk about patients sometimes. <laughs> and so there was this young, um, young Vietnamese woman who just had a baby and they were just trying to act like she wasn't interested, this and that. I said, you know, I'm going to give her to that patient, I mean, to that student. And I asked the student if it was okay, because I didn't want to assume she took care of that patient. The patient didn't even want her to leave. Wow. But the other part was that she saw that she could do this. It changed her confidence. She did well. She she ended up soaring. She ended up graduating. But it was like she was able to see herself and what it, what nursing means. So, and I just share that because we have to think about those pieces when we're working with students. And in that situation, it worked out for the student and it worked out for the patient. But also when she gave report to the nurse, she was like, this is not a lazy person who's not interested. This is how she learns better. She likes to see visual. Like she was able to explain this to the nurse and she was empowered in doing that. And for me, that's what nursing should be starting from a student. Let's empower them so that they can see how they fit in, that they belong in nursing. I, I think about those students who are always like, and I don't know if you heard this, I don't know if this is for me. You know, I don't know if I can do this. And just showing them different ways that they can do it. But also letting faculty see there's different ways to do things and not being stuck. So for me to exist, I had to separate myself to what people thought nursing was yeah. and expand. Yeah, uh, and, and you, you make some really, really fantastic points. Uh, especially, I, I think there needs to be an investment on the faculty's part. Because there's faculty, and, and I'm sorry to say this, but we have faculty out there that they do one course prep and they teach it the exact same way every single time for their entire careers and aren't willing to modify. Uh, and, and I wish uh, that mentality would, would change. And another thing I think uh, programs do, don't do as well is scaffolding their courses and their programs. So it's things are building on each other and they're not like courses aren't siloed, right? Like you take one course, you go to another class and they, that course, the previous course never gets mentioned again, right? Um, so I think that that scaffolding of those programs so 
students can see the connections and students can connect for themselves how nursing uh, is from beginning to end. And I think that's, um, that we, we have a lot of work to do uh, in academia, service, all that good stuff. Um, but thank you, I, I appreciate that. And, and you, like I said, you make some great point. I, I'm, I'm, I've been uh, fortunate enough to have an education uh, background where I've, but even then, uh, like I said, it, you can't just do do things one way. Uh, you have to be open to new methods, new theories, new ways of doing things uh, that best need that best meet uh, our students now and not twenty years ago, right? Yes, yes. So, hundred yeah, percent agree with you. Yeah. So we we kind of took a left turn. Uh, I'm going to go back on your back on your. Thank you, though. I, I really appreciate it. Um, uh, now midwifery. How now you mentioned how you got your interest in midwifery, uh, but what was and the only thing and I'm sorry to say the only thing I know about midwifery are a couple of like specials I've seen on TV in over the last couple of years, which I'm like I'm like I, I need to know more about this. And one of the reasons I wanted definitely wanted you on the show is, can you tell us more about midwifery, its history and 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 its importance to to our communities today yes yes and for me that even just to learn my own history and by that i just mean the history of midwifery in the black community i, I didn't learn that until i was kind of wrapping up my own um my midwifery program i went to yale university i was working on my master's thesis so okay. i focus on the the Tuskegee School of Nurse Midwifery, because at this point, I was like, I don't see anything that represents any other culture, no diversity at all in my midwifery program in the curriculum. So I was like, there had to be Black midwives. And I, I came across Tuskegee School of Nurse Midwifery. And it was a school that was designed, it was in um, Tuskegee, Alabama, it was a school designed for black nurses to learn midwifery. Still a lot of segregation at this time. Still black nurses had difficulty getting into nursing schools, definitely any specialty programs. So to address black maternal mortality, they create, developed this school. So I went and I investigated and found out there were 31 black nurses that graduated from the program. But even in the process of learning about this program, everything that I heard about traditional black midwives, you may have heard the term granny midwives, they, uh, it was all negative, that they were harming women, that's why nurse midwives had to come along, that's why we had to get them from um, delivering in the home, we had to bring them into the hospital. And I start to believe that history, but I also learned to start to love history and learning it. And what I learned was that black midwives were essential to their communities. So even through the middle passage, coming from, you know, being, you know, stolen from Africa, being enslaved, they brought midwifery care with them. And midwives provided care during the middle passage, during slavery, during, you know, when slaves became um, free, they were, you know, they were still essential to the community. That these midwives were even delivering on other plantations, were delivering white women, women's babies. So the history is rich. And for me, the most important thing I learned was that there was a sense of community. There was a sense of empowerment and giving birth. Even if for a woman who was enslaved that she didn't know what was gonna happen to her baby, because we know the horrors of that, but it still was a moment where she was empowered and the midwife was empowered. And again, there was that sense of community where birth was celebrated. And, but we don't hear that history when you're, when you're like, I'm telling you, everything was negative. Now these stories are starting to become out and be more available to people. So even midwifery students, anyone who wants to learn about midwifery can learn. But the important thing is that they were, they, they didn't, I, I interviewed a woman who was in her eighties. She said, I would go into a home. There would be no electricity. There would be no running water, but yet her, she never lost a baby. You know, she gave safe passage to the mom and the baby. And again, we don't hear those stories, but it was because they were in tune to the woman and it was a natural process. And there was also a sense of safety because the community protected these women. And so, you know, so when I started to look at history and I started to hear things about, oh, the doctors had better birth outcomes, 
They did not. Their outcomes were actually worse but because black women were vulnerable at that time, because they didn't have access to, med to be in medical journals or to be on the news or have their stories out. So someone else told their stories. And so they were in, I feel like they were victimized by that. So we, we went from them delivering 80% of the babies to delivering 1%. And, but in the hospital where women were supposed to be safe, they were not. Right. They, were, they delivered their babies on floors where there was infectious diseases. They had colored wards. I spoke to a nurse, Ms. Frankie Manning, who's in her 80s. She actually worked on colored floors. And she said the maternity was my worst experience because the way they treated women. So it was like they were taken from the home where they were safe and put in an environment where they're still unsafe. And I think we're still seeing the results of that today with our high maternal mortality rates, with Black women dying. And that brought me to my research and even my current work. I was working as a midwife for 20 something years, went back to school to get my PhD and wanted to research and understand. I didn't even know, first of all, how bad the maternal mortality rates were in the United States, especially compared to other countries. But when I learned about the disparities that black women are three to four times more likely to die and indigenous women twice as likely to die. And it didn't matter, you know, cause and I just want to back up for a second. When I first started looking into this, I was told that, oh, they're poor. They don't get prenatal care. They're uneducated. You know, I had all these negative things blaming the woman. And that was what was in the journals. It wasn't just the providers telling me this. There were research journals that were saying, or just because she's black. And I said, there has to be more to the story. And as I start to look, nobody was talking to black women. No, and it's still very limited talking to indigenous women. The most, I feel like the most harmed during childbirth or the most, the ones at the greatest risk of dying, or I, I say unprotected, but I'm like, nobody's talking to them. So from, from my research, I want to actually interview and talk to women. And what I found out doing research on my own is that you could be wealthy, you could be educated, you could be Serena Williams, you could have all these things and you can still die during childbirth. You know, Dr. Shalone Irving had two doc, two PhDs. And she still died from a postpartum related cause. Yeah. So I just share this because I feel like as nurses, as midwives, we're all in the middle of this. And so what are we doing to address this issue? What are we doing to keep women safe, regardless of where they're from? What are we doing to keep them safe when they're having a baby? And that just brings me to my current work. And I, got, I know I got a little off track about midwifery, but I just want to say midwifery, learning my history, learning what midwives did for women in the past is what gives me strength today because they didn't have, I don't have a lot of money, but I know I can go into a community and educate and support and find ways to help women, help them prepare for pregnancy, help them be safe during their pregnancy and childbirth, help them make choices. So, but those roots come back from my history. Wow. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, as you're talking uh, about this, where is nursing in the process of advocating for better care uh, for um, for Black women, for Indigenous women uh, that are um, going through the process of childbirth? Uh, because it feels like U U.S. is sort of alone out here, They're like like an outlier as far as the number of patients that we're losing. Uh, uh, so where is nursing in the process? Because I know we've I've heard a lot about it last few years okay. uh, about we need to do more, we need to do more. There is the you know uh, legislation getting passed in Congress and all that stuff, um, and now with with the new. Uh, uh, a Supreme Court decision with abortions, which is, I think, is going to be a huge impact uh, on, and uh, not in a good way. Um, uh, so, where is the nursing uh, in in all of this? Yeah, and that's an important question. Nurses are really the core of that care during their pregnancy, but especially during childbirth and postpartum. And and I want to know because when I did find research articles, when I found programs that were had interventions, a lot of it was doctors, public health people. Nursing was not the core and we're still behind. It's improved, 
Um, Monica McLemore was actually one of the first articles that I read that addressed, you know, maternal mortality among Black women. And I have to tell you, even working on my PhD, I felt very alone because I would bring up the issue and it was almost like I was trying that I was bringing up something nobody wanted to talk about. And when I would say, you know, it has to be more than just the social issues placing women at risk. There's more to that. And not having anyone to be able to say, let's sit down and talk about this. I couldn't find that in nursing. Mm. I couldn't find that in the nursing journals. Some of the most important journals out there for women's health and midwifery weren't really addressing this. So it wasn't until, and I believe this article was written by Dr. Karen Scott, Monica McLemore were the two. I know they had other works that came out with a larger team, but it was the first article that said, if we want to improve maternal health, let's stop blaming the woman. And it really, reading the article really validated what I was feeling, that there's more than it's not just poor, it's not just someone who's uneducated, not like they should be at a greater risk. But we know when we look at other communities, you know, if you look at white women, the more education you have, your mortality rates decrease. The more um, money you make, your maternal mortality rates decrease. But among Black women, it didn't matter whether you were unemployed or you were you know, again, two PhDs living in a wealthy community, you could still die. And so that's what I was like, we have to really look at, there's more to this. And when I interviewed the, my, the women, it really came out the importance of the relationship with their healthcare provider. So if they had a good nurse, they were like, oh yeah, that nurse was there, she looked out for me. Or they had a provider that said, you know, any problem is a big problem. So call me first. They had a better outlook on their experience and they trusted and they believed in the nurses that and the providers that care for them. The ones who didn't have the good relationship, they were like, I was ignored. You know, the doctor was acting like I was looking for pain medication when I told them about my headache. And then they finally took my blood pressure and I was at stroke level and I was admitted to the hospital. So it was hearing those stories where they were ignored. So I think it's really just important for nurses to realize the strength and the power that they have, because I think that's key. And what I find is that in nursing, it's still difficult for people to realize that racism exists and racism is alive and well, and that racism kills. Because I think about, I interviewed a woman who had chest pain, went to see a provider, told, oh, you just have a little angina, lay down. And luckily somebody else you know, stepped in and took care of her. She was in a heart failure. Wow. But I think about that person that's telling a provider that, and they're like, oh, just go home and rest. And then the person never wakes up. Right. So I think nurses, I think we have to acknowledge that there's inequalities. There's a lot of issues in our system. And, you know, when I um, when I forgot to mention that, you know, um, September 2020, we started having talks, you know, overdue reckoning, addressing racism in nursing, where we have five weeks where we just talked about different issues related to racism. And it was amazing how many people were unaware of what nurses of color go through and the impact that it has on the patients they care for. It was amazing to see. But I also realized, and this is why diversity is so important, if you don't have to deal with it, you don't have to deal with it. For me, I can't escape talking about race or dealing with race. I could go into Nordstrom's right now and somebody's gonna either, they're gonna be eyeing me to see if I'm stealing or I'm gonna need help and nobody wants to help me because they think I don't have money to buy anything. So it's, it doesn't matter what setting I'm in, I have to deal with race or I even worry about it. Think of the times that you enter a setting and I'm just saying, and I, I don't know how many people share this as a black woman, I enter a setting. I want to see, am I going to be safe here? Who can I trust here? You know, who can I be myself with here? So it was like, we enter every space because we know our race is really, what really dictates how people treat us in society. We can't escape that, but to be able to go through life and not worry about that. Mm. To be able to get in your car and speed down the street when you know you're wrong, you get pulled over from the cops. You're not worried. Am I going to survive this? You know, if you're a person of color, you know, you have to really say, is this person going to be fair? Is this person going to believe me, spare my life? And it is a good feeling where you don't have to deal with that every day. But unfortunately, we're in a society where it's embedded so deep that when I do talks, because people are always afraid you know, that you're going to call them a racist. You know, sometimes I do talks and people are like, don't look in my eyes, don't look in my eyes. <laughs> but, but I'm like, we have to have the conversations, first of all, but it's beyond you and me, it's the system. Right. And as nurses, we function in that system. 
It's just like that person that's like, oh, it's in the policy. Read the policy. I had to tell someone, I was like, that policy shows me how how structural racism exists in our society. I had to tell someone that because that's their go-to. So now I want to challenge them. But because we have these policies, the procedures, these stereotypes, because we could feel some way about someone. And if you don't have someone from that community to contradict it and say, oh, no, no, that's not what we mean. You're going to have someone that's going to keep pushing these beliefs and things along and Very keep causing harm. So just as nurses, I just say that we just have to be aware. That's all I'm saying is be aware and do something where you're at. You know, even if it's just you don't got to get in a fight with everybody. But if something is wrong, say something. You know, I had a close friend make make a gay joke. I'm sitting there. I'm like, it wasn't funny. But if I'm sitting there being silent, I'm telling them I'm consenting to that. Right. She, and this was a good friend. I was like, no, I said, I'm not having, I'm not playing that game. You're not doing that in front of me. I didn't want to, I, and I left it at that. I'm not going to argue about right or wrong. But when I spoke up, other people want to speak up. So, but if I'm sitting there silent and people are telling these jokes or people are doing a certain behavior and I'm sitting there not doing something, I'm saying it's okay. Because right. I can't say I don't see it and I can't hear it. So I, I just feel as nurses, we have an obligation to say something, to do something. And sometimes you may not know how to handle it, but even just saying, you know, something's not right here. You know, let me think about it. You know, even that itself is powerful. That itself tells someone that what I'm experiencing, because I've had situations happen to me and it's straight out wrong. I've been in situations delivering babies and have nurses be disrespectful. Even the patient's like, what's going on with her? And I'm like, oh, don't worry about her. Let's get you, let's get this baby delivered. So, cause I have to block it out. But to have someone say, you know, I'm just saying someone else in the room say, wait a minute, don't talk like that. Let's focus on the patient, but we're gonna deal with that later. It just validates what I'm going through. And it's saying that at least someone else believes something is wrong. And that gives me strength too, to speak up. But I just share that because I say like, there's so many times that I've experienced pain and I've had people be silent and I'm just like, wait, does anybody see what's happening to me? Is anyone going to stand up for me? And then when it doesn't happen, it makes you feel a certain way about the system. Right. But I've been in situations too, where I've had white nurses and I'll just give you a quick example. I was, when I was applying to midwifery school, my, um, my, I asked my nurse manager for a letter of recommendation. I went from being an exemplary employee to being these improvement in less than 24 hours. Wow. And after that, she was on me. And I was even questioning, should I be going back to school? I was questioning myself. And a white nurse said, you know, Lucinda, and again, I didn't even see this. She said, Lucinda, can you tell Anne not to write that letter for you? I'll write it for you. And, you know, and, and she stood, when she stood up for me, I said, wait a minute, so something is wrong. It's not just me. And I went back to Anne. I said, you know, I'm not going to um, go to school. She was so excited. Oh, I, you know, I waited 10 years before I went back. You know, you should wait a little longer. And I, again, I was back in good standing, just like that. Right. But it was another, it was a nurse that, that saw something and said something to me. And, and I, I, don't, I don't even, I haven't even seen her since. I haven't seen her since I left for school, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up getting accepted, but she doesn't know how she changed my life. But I'm just saying, like, when you um, see something, or when you hear something, I always say to people, like people come and they're like, you know, this has happened. I want to make a change. And, you know, you can't change the world, but you can change what you're doing. You know, what is it in your life that you're doing? And I've had people who are like, you know, you know, I just realized I'll give an example. This editorial board is not diverse. So I'm going to see people who are from different, you know, cultures, different beliefs to come in and serve on this committee. One of the most um, powerful ones was when um, I did an overdue reckoning session and uh, someone contacted me. She was actually um, heading a program, a nursing program, was starting it. And um, I don't want, I don't know if I should say the town, but I'll just say it was predominantly white, North, <laughs> Northeastern um, state. And she said, you know, people are always saying there's no people of color who are qualified, but you know what? I'm going to go out into the community because I know they're there. And after, you know, hearing people talk, you know, I realized I have to make an effort. And she went out into the community and actually recruited people for her nursing program. And That's she great. didn't have to do that. 
So I just feel like nurses, we have such a, we have such a power and we just have to make sure that we're doing it the right way. Because if we're not, if a part of us, a group of us are being oppressed, we're all oppressed. And what can we do to make things better? Very true. Uh, a couple of questions for you uh, still as we have uh, some time left. Um, from a, uh, You're now uh, the Director of Health Equity in the nursing program at UMass. Yeah. Um, what is your role there and what do you, because I know you, can, by the way, congratulations again, you just started there. What do you hope to achieve in this new role? Yeah, so, and, and I'm in an interesting position because we're really starting a new program. One is that we want to support students of color. We want all students to feel like there's a sense of belonging. So I'll be mentoring students from their freshman year all the way up. I'll be working with existing students also. Um, we also have an accelerated nursing program that I heard is predominantly students of color. So finding ways that we could support them as well. But we really want to just increase diversity in nursing. So we're trying to just recruit people, for, especially even just from, local, from the local community. We just want to recruit them in. We want them to, um, we're trying to create an environment. So we, I'm going to do a lot of time talking to current students to see what could be done um, what were some of their issues? What helped them? What would they like to see so that we can make change? With nursing education, it's like you come in, you know, you might be the only one, you know, only person of color, or maybe there, you know, there might be a little bit more. Again, like we were talking about faculty, you may not see any faculty that look like you. It could be a very lonely place. So how do we create it that you could come in and really just get a rich, you know, experience? And I always resort to back to my own experience in nursing. I had such, I learned so much. I had so many opportunities. And I think sometimes I just felt things just fell into place. But when I look back on my nursing education, I feel good about it. There are colleagues that I talked to 10, 20, 30, 40, even 40 years out that are still bitter about their nursing education. And one thing I just want to change is that it doesn't have to be our story anymore that we come in and we talk about what we were exposed to. We talk about that challenging patient. We talk about that patient that didn't want to talk to anybody, but we went in the room and we got them talking. We got them wanting to you know, get out of bed when they don't want to get out of bed. I just want students to be able to have that, to feel welcome, to feel like they belong, that not only do they belong there, they belong in nursing. And nursing could be tough. So there's a lot of times where you just want to give up because you don't want to have to take that biochem exam or, you know, you know, but a med surge is coming up or patho, but I just want them to, even if they have challenges to still feel supported and still get what they can so that they can succeed. Right. So this is our first year doing this. So, you know, I feel good about it. And I feel I had a lot of support. I got good support from the Dean, you know, other faculty members, I'm getting a lot of support. So I feel good about it. That's awesome. Well, I wish you great success and, and, and I look forward to seeing what the outcomes are. One of the other reasons, like I said, like I mentioned in the beginning of the program, uh, I, I first off, I one of the re first reasons I, I noticed your profile, you had you had uh, art pieces up and, I, and in your bio, you wrote artist, poet and historian. So talk to me about how you've incorporated your art uh, into into the profession. Okay, yeah, so I've always loved art. I've always loved poetry. It's been like an outlet for me. I find I found that like when I was going through like a difficult breakup or having challenges in any, you know, any part of my life, poetry and art has always been something that, you know, I found kind of peace in that kind of like helped even just diffuse stress or anxiety. Like I found that it helped with that. But in nursing school, it's like everything is technical. Everything is hands-on clinical skills. Everything is science. So it was kind of in the back burner for a little bit. And I would come out once in a while and I would do things. And then uh, for my dissertation, I use Van Manen's um, phenomenology. And it, it lets you use artistic sources to support what your, um, what your, um, your, your themes are. And so what I did, and again, I did little things over the years, but then for my um, dissertation, I was able to do artwork to express the themes. Cause I feel like sometimes, and I feel like my mind is always going. That's why I probably I'm, I'm hoping I wasn't all over the place <laughs> during this interview because my mind is always going. 
But I always have things in my head that when I put them down on paper, whether it's words or art, it's like I'm getting out what, um, how I'm putting things together, how I'm seeing things. Sometimes I feel like I have thoughts and I can't express them with words, but um, like, you know, like just in a conversation, but when I put them on paper or art, people understand what I'm saying. So I took the, my themes and I did artwork for them. So for each one. And when I talk about the themes and the pieces of it, I always show the artwork like when I'm presenting and it just kind of puts like an image. And it was really gratifying to show the mothers or she's like the women in my study. They were like, that's exactly what I was saying. That's how I was feeling. And it just, it just felt so good. And now I realize I can use my art and poetry and nursing. I even have my nursing students, I give them an art assignment. They first look at me like I'm crazy. That's <laughs> but awesome. then at the end of the semester, they just put it together. And I'm like, you can use any medium that you want to express how you feel about any topic. But for me, it's a way to just kind of, um, I guess, release. But also, I feel like I'm capturing how I'm feeling at that moment in time. And yeah. then, I, and now I feel more comfortable sharing it. Well, thank you for sharing them because I think they're they're amazing. Uh, I'm the same way. I need to put. I'm not the most articulate person, but I love to put stuff on paper, uh, or in my case, iPad. For the last few years, uh, it's just easy, right? It's just easy. My iPad goes everywhere with me, and it's sort of how I also take notes that way. I take notes through pictures, yes. and um, I, I think it's a great outlet. And I wish nursing was more accepting of. Uh, things like art and poetry as a way of expressing and communicate communicating the science of nursing, right? Uh, and I and I wish uh, that, and I think it, it will eventually come, uh, but I think uh, uh, we're not we're not quite there yet. Uh, but but I'm glad that, you know there's you know American Journal of Nursing actually has a one pager uh, that they, you, people that people submit their art to. I'm glad they publish it that way. I wish they counted for publications because I think it is another way of communicating exactly. um, what uh, uh, what exactly. uh, what we see and what we find. And uh, again, it's another way of expressing. It's a creative way uh, of yes, expressing. Yes. Just like some people are really good about putting methodology section down uh, some other people are going to be really good at expressing it through art and poetry and yes. other means so yeah i 100 agree with that um i want to um we're just about time but i want to talk about lucinda's house right oh, um yes. i want to talk about that and what because it, it's sort of a community um program uh if you can talk about that for for a minute Yes, and this is something that came out of my, kind of my research. Women, they talked about education. They talked about feeling empowered when they go in for their visit, like being able to have that conversation. So I want to do something where I could learn from the community, highlight and celebrate the community, because I feel like there's so many negative things, you know, especially even like now with like maternal health, all of it, there's still so much negative, but there's still a lot of good. There's still a lot of good that people are doing in their communities. There are women, like, they, again, we're still, we look at it, because sometimes I see, and, and this is, I'm going to go back to even my nursing textbook. It was like maternity, it was like for, when we would talk about women of color, it was almost like pregnancy was a burden, you know, and uh, we were a pathology. But I'm like, that's not our history, and that's not what I've grown up with. So I want to find a way that I could pull those things together. So, so when I do like individual consultation, I help people, um, again, I don't tell them what to do, like, oh, you need to do A, B, C, and D. I help them make choices. Like I had a woman who came to me, she, and I, again, I've been always doing that. I realized people were coming to me for advice. I'm just making it more formal now. But I had a woman who had depression, she's on meds. And she's like, my doctor's not you know, telling me if this is gonna harm the baby or not. I think I'm gonna stop taking them. But I didn't say, you know, stay on them, not. I said, here's the information. You know, this is what the medication can do while you're on it. You know, we don't know a lot about, you know, the impacts of the baby, but who are you when you're not on your medication? And she was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna stay on my meds. And I said, next time you go to your doctor, here are some questions to ask. Cause I want them to be able to go into that visit and you know, and have and be able to, cause I feel like sometimes information is thrown at us. They're like, do you have any questions? You need time to process. And if you don't, they're like, oh, she doesn't, she doesn't have any questions. They move on. So I give them questions to ask. 
And that's through pregnancy, childbirth, um, well woman checkups, just ways that if there's a need or concern you have, and just and also we're looking at what I call the kitchen table, where right now we're going to be virtual, but I'm, I would like to be in person to just have discussions about anything. And whatever topic we have, I'm not going to be like reading out of a textbook saying this is a, you know, this is going on. I want women to tell me their real experiences, what has helped them, what has not helped them. What are some of the structural changes that we can do that we can look at? Because I find what structural barriers when we talk about it and name it, then we could develop a solution instead of it being like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't get past that wall, so I'm going to stop. So what can I do to break down the wall or get over the wall? So we're going to do um, have topics like on infertility. When I um, started recruiting, and I have to say this, Black women will participate in research, but we want to make sure we're going to benefit and our community is going to benefit and that we're safe in the process. Because when I started recruiting, and I was, I was looking for women who had severe complications. I had women who called me that had stillbirths, that had miscarriages, infertility issues. And they were like, are you gonna look at that? Can you study that? So I, it opened my eyes up to how many women are impacted by these issues and how they don't have a place to talk about them. So with Lucinda's table, we're gonna have conversations about that. And then the last piece of Lucinda's house is we're gonna be out in the community. Um, like we ha I had a community baby shower in Waterbury, Connecticut last week. And we just, um, we had donations. And I also wanna thank you. I'm sending out some thank you letters. I appreciate your donation as well. Um, but we're, we're using it to just buy supplies for the moms, just to kind of, it's just to celebrate them you know, give them, you know, one last thing to think about so they can focus on other parts of their pregnancy. And there's no strings attached. You don't have to come in. You don't have to tell me your income. You don't have to tell me you're the father of the baby's name. None of that. You don't have to tell me, you know, what kind of relationship you're in. Just come in and just be yourself and just enjoy. We have food. We had cake. We had raffle gifts. It, we just, it just, and we have so many raffle prizes. Everybody end up leaving with one. But it's, it's just that we, again, and we want to just pull on what's already in the community. So, and I'm doing this in collaboration with doulas, doulas who are working in a certain community to highlight their work and show what they're doing. And also just show anyone else who wants to participate can participate in it. We just want, again, we just want to have an event where there's no strings attached. And also, which I didn't even realize this, is to really show what people of the color, people of color are already doing in their communities. There was a couple that came in and um, she was like, she looked around and she was like, I thought there were gonna be a bunch of white people here. She was like, I didn't expect to see so many black and brown people. And I was like, yes, we're here. <laughs> we're here and we support you. And she was so happy. So I just want us, I want people to see that we're already doing good. And then just finding different ways to do that. That's awesome. That's incredible work. And, and uh, I'm sure the communities you're helping are going to be that much better off for it. So so thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, uh, it's, been, it's been an incredible conversation. I feel like you and I are on the same wavelength on so many different levels. Uh, my brain also, like yours, is always going and I need to do something with it. Uh, so... Uh, so I appreciate you uh, and thank you for educating me on some of the stuff that I didn't know. Uh, so thank you. Uh, anything else you want to share with the audience uh, before we, we sign off? Yes. Uh, well, just um, we overdue reckoning took the summer off. We did um, the kind of biweekly talks. We will be coming back. And this time we're really going to focus on solutions. How do we move forward? We know what the issue, some of the issues that exist. So now how do we move forward and how do we support each other in this process? That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and if uh, you're, listen you're listening in uh, and you want to co connect with uh, Dr. Canty, her uh, uh, social media links are actually on the website. She's not too hard to find. She's on Twitter and LinkedIn and probably a couple other places. Um, so uh, those will be available on the, on the website for you too. Uh, connect with her and I highly recommend that uh, so thank you so much uh, thank you again for everything you've shared Dr. Canty uh, we have been listening to Dr. Lucinda Canty she is an associate professor and director of health equity 
in the nursing program at UMass Amherst Elaine Marriott College of Nursing, and she is also the director and founder of the of Lucinda's House in Connecticut. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. You've been listening to the RN Mentor with your host Ali Taya. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayeb.com. That's www.aliartayeb.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair winds and following seas.